Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We're a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning, and we're glad that you're here. I would like to offer a special welcome to those of you who are visiting with us. We're very glad that you are here, and if you have questions or comments about this faith or this congregation, please do see the knowledgeable and friendly people at the membership table and visitor table out there in the foyer, and they'll be happy to help you. We come from a long heritage of faith communities that teach that there is a spark of the divine in every human being. It is in the spirit of that heritage that I ask you to greet the holy in our midst by turning to the person to your right and left and welcoming them here this morning. Let us say together the words by which we light our chalice. In the light of truth and the warmth of love, we gather to seek, to find, and to share. Our call to worship this morning are two statements. The first by Frederick Nietzsche. Without music, life would be a mistake. The second by George Carlin. Those who dance are considered insane by those who cannot hear the music. We have people in this room with backgrounds in Christianity, Judaism, Buddhism, Hinduism, earth-centered religions, humanism. What in the world holds us together, makes us all call ourselves Unitarian Universalists? Well, there are several things, one of which for this congregation is our mission. And so we write it on the wall and we say it every Sunday. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. Our meditation reading this morning is by Paul McCartney. And in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. Now is the time in our service when we breathe together. We breathe into that space in our heart where we are who we are, where we can speak to God as we understand God or listen to our inner wisdom. Or just breathe. Spending some time in the still place, in the silent place, strengthens us, helps us see more clearly, helps us feel more truly. Let us enter into the silence together, knowing that small child noises are part of silence. Let us continue our meditation with a Buddhist loving-kindness prayer. We say this three times. First time we say it for ourselves. May I be free from danger. May I be mentally happy. May I be physically happy. 
May I have ease of well-being. When we do this as a spiritual practice, we say it for ourselves for six months. Then we add, saying it for someone we love, which we will do now. May you be free from danger. May you be mentally happy. May you be physically happy. May you have ease of well-being. When you do it as a spiritual practice, you do that for the next six months in addition to praying it for yourself, and then you add someone about whom you are neutral. It is only after you are much strengthened that you try this that we're trying now. As a spiritual stretch the third time through, we say this for someone against whom we have a resentment. May you be free from danger. May you be mentally happy. May you be physically happy. May you have ease of well-being. May it be so. I don't know if you know this, but the members of the choir and the members of the drum ensemble are now awash in stress-reducing chemistry. They've made music together, and complicated processes have occurred inside their brains. A neuroscientist named Daniel Levitin started studying the neuroscience of music. He got curious about why people get goosebumps, and that started his explorations. He, he made a documentary called, or he, did, he was in a documentary called The Music Instinct. He worked with Bobby McFerrin. He worked with Daniel Barenboim, Yo-Yo Ma, lots of musicians and neuroscientists. And this movie puts together the research about what music does to our brains. So I'll tell you a little bit about what I've learned from that and other research. Our brain has different areas in which it practices, in which it processes pitch, pitches whether a note is high or low. Um, it processes timbre in a different place. Timbre is whether you have music that's being made by a string or a brass instrument or a wind instrument or a voice. It, it processes timbre in a different place rhythm in yet a different place. And so all of those things are, are causing different parts of your brain to activate, but then the brain puts it all together and you hear the music and it takes about one thirty-seventh of a second. So your brain is working fast. And we don't just hear the music. It's not just mirrored in our brain. Our brain also participates in the music. The neurons fire sometimes with the beat of the music. Our, our whole being begins to participate in the music and the mood-altering substances that our brain can produce are, are released different times with different music. The reason you get goosebumps 
is because the epinephrine is released and your hair stands up and the, and that gives you goosebumps. So magic, I, I call the magic of music this sermon because magic is defined as the art of changing consciousness at will. Kind of a random definition, but that's what it, the definition is that I'm working with this morning. And what I'm telling you is that music will change your consciousness. And if you want to change your consciousness, you may use music. And sometimes music just does it to you whether you're using the music or not. But your, uh, your brain releases chemicals depending on what music that you are listening to. Now, um, the researchers took a Western subject... Um, not from the west of the United States, but from the western hemisphere of the world, and put a, a measured pulse rate and skin, galvanic skin response when she listened to really scary music. So there was scary music, and her heart started to beat faster, and her skin responded in the way that you do when you're scared. And the question was, okay, well, she maybe... It's biology, but maybe it's culture. I mean, maybe she's just gone to some scary movies and she associates this kind of music with scary things. But um, they traveled to the back hills of Cameroon where they found some people who, who swore they'd never heard Western music before. I'm always a little dubious about that but because, you know, there's a radio and you go to the marketplace and you hear things. But... They were unfamiliar with Western music, and so they gave them um, three pictures of a face, a woman making a happy face, a woman making a sad face, and a woman making a scared face. And they said, when you listen to this Western music, which emotion do you think it is expressing? And the people in the back hills of Cameroon also pointed to the scared face when they heard scary music. So there was something universal, not all, music is not all universal, but there's something that people recognize in certain rhythms, pitches, tones, cognitive, I mean, consonants or dissonance of um, chords, and they, uh, we all feel similar things. Now, Eastern music, Arabic music, for example, um, is almost all in minor key. And in the West, we use minor key to be to express sadness or melancholy. You know, you sing, I am a poor wayfaring stranger traveling through this world of woe. And it's the minor key, and you feel kind of melancholy. And we use major key to talk about um, happiness. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, everybody's favorite song. And um, that's in a major key. Arabic music uses minor keys to express love and yearning and happiness and everything. And I would sing you an Arabic song, but I don't know one. And I could do an imitation, but it would be cheesy and disrespectful. So I'm not going to do that. Indian music is so multi-layered. There are such complicated rhythms and such complicated melodies, and they're layered on top of each other. And many of you have heard um, Indian music, and to the Western ear, it's hard to make sense of that music sometimes. Unless you go to the um, 
Indian restaurant up on Anderson Lane, and they have music that sounds kind of like an Indian musician went to Deadwood and was plunked down in the saloon on the piano and asked to play. Very strange combination of... So, um, sound makes physical waves in the air. It compresses the air. And so, sound waves actually touch you inside your head. When, when you hear music or when you, even someone talks to you, they're touching your eardrum and making it move. And so... Um, the scientists wanted to talk about the very first music. You want to go all the way back. And they were talking about how the Big Bang, at the very beginning, made shockwaves. And um, they say that uh, even planets and black holes have kind of a vibration. And they said there was one black hole that was vibrating at B-flat, only it was um, 57 octaves below what the human ear could hear. Yeah, and I'm confused about that because I thought there's no air in space, and how would you compress air if there's no air? And um, I have an annoying little brain. And, um, <laughs> and then I thought black holes eat everything around them, including like maybe sound waves, but apparently... Um, there is the music of the spheres, literally. So when you listen to music, there are chemicals that are released. And when you make music, though, oh my goodness, when you make music, there are even more chemicals released. They, um, they did an fMRI to study the brain activity of a British rock star while he was singing. So he was singing, and I have to say, without autotune, it didn't sound good, <laughs> but neither do I. So um, he's in the MRI machine, and he's singing, and you see his brain just lighting up. And then this, his bandmate started playing the guitar and singing with him, even more of the brain lit up. So when he's singing by himself, it's one little activity, and when you sing with someone else, more activity. Isn't that fun? And so no wonder human beings like to sing together because it releases pleasurable chemicals in your head. It can also be very strengthening. When the South African people were rising up against apartheid, the music that they sang together as they were taking to the streets was bonding for them, strengthening for them, and it also let them hear how many people were with them as they rose up against apartheid. It also let the people in power hear how many people there were rising up against them. When we had the marches, the civil rights marches in the American South, the music was an important major part of what was strengthening to the people, to the black folk and their white allies and their brown allies. All, all the music was encouraging, not just encouraging in a sweet pat you on the head way, but giving you courage 
when you're singing, you're holding hands, you're across the bridge in Selma, and they've got the dogs and the fire hoses and the cops with big batons, and they are ready, aching to hurt you. And you sing. Ain't gonna let no fire hose turn me around, turn me around, turn me around. It's very strengthening to hear all of the people who are with you naming what's coming and yet uh, declaring their forward motion in the face of what's coming. That is a magic of music. When people were protesting the nuclear power plant in California that is on an earthquake fault, um, I'm sure it's going to be fine. All the people that were jailed were sitting in one room together and the, um, the guards would come get, tried to come get one or two of them to take them out for questioning. And they all held hands and started singing together with no words because the nuclear movement doesn't have a song yet. <laughs> So they just started going, ah, like that, and just all vibrating together, and the guards left this one particular time. Music together can change your consciousness. A song can energize you. A song can give you words for what you're trying to do. There was one person in power who said, if they rise up against us, the first thing I will do is kill the songwriters. Music has been there before there were humans. Not only the Big Bang, but whales sing, birds sing. The archaeologists have now found flutes in an Ice Age cave, little bone flute made from the bone of a swan. And they reconstructed it um, and played it in the cave, and it just echoes. It's very eerie sounding, but you can produce lots of music on that one little bone flute. What is music for? They don't know. One neuroscientist says, oh, it's just cheesecake. It's just for pleasure. It's just for happiness. Others say, no, it was for communication. Others say, you know, there wasn't written history at first. There was oral history. And how do you memorize long strings of things? You sing them. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. So you sing. There's one Finnish song from Finland, um, obviously, and uh, <laughs> I was just helping you because it's early in the morning. <laughs> it has something like a thousand verses, and there's only one old guy in his 90s left who knows them all. So other people are trying to learn them, but it's so much easier to learn them if they are sung than if you just have to speak the whole history of your people. Babies respond to music. 
they turn toward music, and they turn, if they have a choice, toward consonant music than dissonant music. Dissonant music is when the intervals are harsh to your ear, they don't seem to go together, they're not uh, echoing one another's overtones. I won't give you a whole lecture about it, because really all I know about it will take about two minutes. People with dementia, after almost everything else is erased, the songs of their youth remain. One lady said, oh yeah, once it's in your brain, it's in there forever. Old hymns, old songs from when that particular person was 15, they're going to still be in there. So music is magic in that it changes our consciousness, it strengthens us, it can create moods, it can create thoughts that we didn't know that we had. And we're grateful to have such a wonderful music program here so that we get to feel that magic every Sunday. I want you to think about how a background of a song can change an experience for you. If you walk around looking at the ruins in Greece and you have the Rolling Stones playing in your ears, you're going to have a different experience than if you have Elgar playing in your ears, a British composer, very majestic, very ceremonial. Or if you have Greek music playing in your ears, it affects how you see things. And in fact, psychologists, this is just to give you one little useful thing for the sermon, um, psychologists say that if you have a memory that will not let go, one of the things you can do is take that memory, run it in your mind like a movie, and play silly music behind it, circus music. And this will tell your brain, you do not want this memory to have as much weight as it used to have. You could try it. Think this week about other things that change your consciousness at will, things that have magic in them that don't hurt your body, like um, getting into water will change a person's consciousness. Laughing with friends, really good food. Behold, there is magic all around us. Please say with me the words by which we extinguish our chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Behold, there's magic all around you. Behold, there's magic all around you. Behold, there's magic all around you. Awaken, rejoice, and sing. Go in peace. This is a presentation of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, visit our website at www.austinuu.org.